Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 19, Clash of the Champions Uno. Uh, uh, fuck you, WWF? Is that the, that's the tag, right? That's a pretty good tag. <laughs> so this happened the same day. Happened as, the same as day WrestleMania 4. as WrestleMania 4. On March 27th, 1988, it was a show produced by the Jim Crockett Productions for the NWA, held at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's kind of like... How many times have we been here? I mean, is, like This for, is the for, 19th for, episode for, the, for, for this us. Show. I mean, we know that the NWA... This is probably at least the there. fifth or sixth time that we've come yeah. from... The show we're watching has come from Greensboro. It, it's kind of basically the headquarters for JCP at this yeah. point. So just as uh, WWF had run... Um, as Michael mentioned, it's run on the same day as WrestleMania 4. So just as WWF had done with the Royal Rumble on cable while the NWA was running the Bunkhouse Stampede, Jim Crockett would return the favor by airing this show on TBS at the same time as WrestleMania 4, which we covered last week. Uh, the attendance for the show, about 6,000 people. Six, but those 6,000 people count. Because that crowd is like the hottest crowd I think we've had. It's one of the hottest crowds that we've had. It's it's amazing. And it drew a 5.6 rating on television, which is one of the best ratings that WCW would pretty much, or NWA would pretty much ever get. Put into context, some more fun facts for March 27th. We covered a few last week, and Michael (laughs) even stole one. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know you were going to. But do that's that. that's part of the, that's yeah. part of fun because we don't we don't talk ahead a lot. Though there is one talking point on this show that I did like specifically ask him to do something. But we'll get to that. Oh yeah, the movie Biloxi Blues with Matthew Broderick. It was a uh, Paul Simon written movie. I didn't see that one. It's basically it. I've never seen it either. Yeah. <laughs> But Matthew Broderick's in the army, and it's based on Paul Simon's like early life. Huh. I know you're not gonna probably know who this is. I do. I like the. I like one of those songs. But Jessie J, <laughs> who's a singer, uh, a couple of her more popular songs, "Bang Bang" and "Price Tag." I know "Bang Bang" because Ariana Grande's on it. Ariana and, and Nicki Minaj. Oh, okay. Are, are in that song. I think I like the chorus of that song. I, I like part they're, of it. They're both... Or maybe I like the the verse, I don't know. They're both really good pop songs. Yeah. I'm good. I'm down for a good pop song. Like I like Ariana Grande, either the verse or the chorus, never the whole song. And then the newer stuff doesn't really either have a verse or a chorus. They're just kind of really boring trap just beats. kind of blends. Yeah. It's like not really... It's pop, but it's... It wasn't... It's not fun like it was for I me. I see that. I gave, I gave it a chance. I just always feel weird about Ariana Grande because she looks like 12, and so it's like... Mm-mm. She probably still looks 12. Just weird. Just just weird. But Jesse J, she was actually born on the same day as this show. Hell yeah. You think she so watches wrestling? She, 
I mean, we found out that Cardi B does. So. Oh, does she? Is she going to sing the national anthem at uh, WrestleMania next year? I hope not. <laughs> so let's get right to the show. And we get some narration over video of our competitors for the evening. And I wrote this narration down you word did. for word because... Is it really weird? I was like watching it and I was like, this is fire. Like I literally oh, okay. sent you a text saying the opening of the show is fire. Oh, I thought you were talking about the amazing graphics of like the belts and lightning. Well, that too. Because <laughs> that, that's amazing. But the narration, but... is Sting finally ready to knock oh, Ric Flair okay. off his throne and become the NWA World Heavyweight Champion? And then we get a version of Law and Order's doink doink in between. What is that? Each the doink doink. Oh, okay. But there's like this sound, and it's just like that's that's amazing. It's from it's like they use that in Law and Order, I guess. I don't yeah. really watch Law and Order or any of Law and Order. Uh, next line is question: With Dusty Road hit their side, will the Road Warriors take revenge on the men who brutalized them? Ivan Koloff and the powers of pain. <laughs> Question. Are wrestling's new breed of gladiators equipped with what it takes to be victorious on a day when anything goes? Doing, doing. There are many questions, and the time has finally come to find out the answers. Now, Superstation TBS presents Clash of the Champions. I was popping so hard for this opening. It was, it was, it was, it, I remember watching it and being like, hey, they actually like built some story stuff up at all. Even a little bit. Just a little uh, bit. Yeah, which is like a big step for the NWA. Yeah. And then we see each of like the belts that are so, in the NWA. It, so, it looks amazing. The, the World Heavyweight titles, the big gold belt. Yeah, big gold. The television championship, the tag team titles, even the Western States Heritage Championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Comes floating by on the screen, yeah, and like at, right spinning. as it, right as it gets almost to the very, it gets electrocuted. Yeah, it's it's fucking gorgeous. I was just like, this is the best start to a show ever. It's a uh, yeah. It was as far as like graphic and voiceover, it was uh, they they got it. They got you pumped up, and that crowd didn't. Well, the crowd didn't probably see it, but the crowd probably didn't see that. They, but yeah, it would have helped them even more because they were <laughs> super pumped up for this entire show. We then get Tony Schiavone welcoming everybody to the show, and he has Bob Cottle with him. They start talking about the board of directors is going to discuss the situation with Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, and Jim Crockett that we saw yesterday, and they just leave it in that. What did we see yesterday? And I'm like, Guys, and I'm on. like, hey Tony, what if we miss that episode? Or we're recording a podcast 30 years later, and need context to what you're talking about because he doesn't help us any we then go to jim ross at ring interviews and we head off to our first match precious versus mike rotunda with kevin sullivan in a college so the story behind this match was that kevin sullivan wanted precious I really feel like Garvin should probably just get rid of Precious because it seems like that's how he gets into all of this. <laughs> because somebody just wants his girlfriend. Exactly. Sullivan would end up stuck and taunt her with papers in his robe, but it's never revealed. Like my, uh, That's what I read, was papers in his robe, and it's never revealed or... Is he, like, trying to serve her? <laughs> like, are, are we serving paper? Yeah. Or are we trying to act like... Papers in the robe are like an extension of your bot. Like, 
I could not find anything about this papers in the road thing. But I was just like, it's so weird. Yeah. So college rules, what that means is instead of a traditional three count on a pin, all it takes is a one at the pin. And we're going to have three five-minute rounds with a 30-second rest period between each round. Hey, you also caught the girl in the crowd with the Jake shirt on. So there's a girl in the crowd with a Jake the Snake Roberts shirt on. And I was like... That's cool. It was a cool shirt. Uh, just to make people change their shirts when it's someone that's not in your company. <laughs> oh, that's silly. I still don't believe that that's true. Play a play a Teddy Long <laughs> with hair. Teddy Long with hair on the back of his head. Yeah. <laughs> so this match starts and we get Garvin with a pair of hip tosses and a scoop slam. Goes for the pin. But Rotunda rolls out of the ring. A reversed Irish whip by Garvin and then a back elbow to put Rotunda down. The ref keeps getting in between the two men. And then Rotunda slams Garvin throat first into the top rope. But rubber band slam. It was a rubber band <laughs> slam. I forgot that from last week. Rotunda Irish whips Garvin into the turnbuckle and then charges in with a clothesline to knock Gorgeous Jimmy to the mat. Rotunda goes for a pin, but Garvin rolled over so that his shoulders were not on the mat. Rotunda tries to roll him back over, but can never get the second shoulder down, and time expires on the first round. So we get the 30-second rest period, and the ref goes to get Sullivan off the apron, and Rotunda ends up going over behind the ref's back and gives Garvin one more fist before going to his corner. Second round starts, and Rotunda tosses Garvin into the turnbuckle, followed by a scoop slam. Rotunda then goes to the top rope, but Garvin is up and body slams Mike. A back body drop by Garvin and sets up for the Brain Buster, and we see Sullivan crawling into the ring, but Precious grabs his foot to keep him from entering. Sullivan then grabs Precious by, by the, the throat. throat. It's gnarly. And is like lifting her and choking her all at the same time. And Jimmy sees this and lets... He stops and, like mid-Brain Buster. Yeah, he stops mid-Brain Buster and goes to hit Sullivan. Rotunda then comes from behind, grabs Garvin for the small package... To get the pin and the win. Post-match then, we get Garvin giving Rotunda that brain buster finally. Mm-hmm. And then Sullivan's in the ring and Rick Steiner joins the fray. As Steiner, Rotunda, and Sullivan were a faction called the Varsity Club. Ah. Which we'll see more of in future episodes. And then Precious hits the ring with a 2 by 4 <laughs> I totally expect her to all of a sudden go, ho! Oh! And then she hits Steiner in the back. And then grabs a coat hanger <laughs> was... and begins choking Sullivan. It's like, yeah, I'm it was like not a coat... real sure where the coat hanger came from. I guess under, under I the think, ring. The I ring think has Sullivan of... had it. Yeah. Well, did he? I... Maybe he hung his coat up uh, that was filled with papers on the <laughs> side, on, on, on like the guardrail when the match started. I, I have know. no clue. But I was like, this is awesome that Precious is in the ring with a two by four. <laughs> And, and then a grabs a coat hanger I mean, and chokes Sullivan. Granted, they, they set it up for her to be brutal on him. He was choking her. Yeah. Like, I, she, she should have hit him with a 2 by 4 Garvin then grabs Precious to get her out of the ring, but Sullivan grabs her leg, and there's a bit of a tug of war. But Garvin and Precious finally escape out of the ring. Yeah. This match was hot. <laughs> it was a good start. It was definitely <laughs> it really a good start. Was. Like, well, when it first started, I was kind of like... I was, NWA I was, rules. I was expecting, like, with the college rules thing, like traditional like greco-roman style wrestling nah, type thing got plenty of scoops and, and it was just it was basically like okay we just we want this match to be shorter so we're gonna like you only need a one count instead of a three count basically. yeah 
It was really fun, though. I liked it. It was a good start, yeah. Then we get and go to Bob Cottle, who's up at the top with Dr. Death Steve Williams, and they bring up the Dusty Magnum TA thing that happened. Still, no one's telling us what happened. And then Steve Williams points at the crowd and is like, the electricity in the air. But no one cares about Steve Williams, so literally yeah. nothing is happening at that moment. He did say that he just came back from Japan, but that was like he didn't. He's he can't can't real, can't talk real well. So we head off to our second match. We got the Midnight Express of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane with Jim Cornette versus the Fantastics of Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers for the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. First shot we see is a group of guys in the crowd. Spelling out Cornette on yeah. poster, board. poster board. So it's like, but it's like a. I mean, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. I was not. It's like the last thing you'd expect is a, a pro Cornette sign. A Cornette stand. Yeah, and they're chanting Cornette rules the entire time. It's fucking awesome. Cornette gets on the mic and introduces the Express as every man's nightmare and every schoolgirl's dream. <laughs> Uh, and their gear is so good, so nice. So the champions come out first. Foreshadowing. The Fantastics are just outside of the ring, including some chair shots to Eaton. The Fantastics have Lane in the ring and give an arm drag and a double team back body drop. Back to the outside, Eaton. And it fi- then we finally get a semblance of some tag team action beginning once they kind of you gotta get- Fantastics make a blind tag and Rogers tosses Eaton to the rope, leapfrogs him, as he sees Fulton ready to hit him, turns, and then Rogers is there to drop kick him it's into Fulton for a scoop slam. It fucking rules. It was a great spot. Then jumps in the ring, and we get stereo Irish whips by the Fantastics that send both Expressmen upside on the turnbuckles. Expressmen. I like that, man. Express makes a blind tag as Eaton is Irish whipped, who comes back with a clothesline while Lane goes for Rogers' knee. And JR starts talking about matches that might make the show if time permits. And I was like, so the NWA didn't have this planned out completely? I was like, that doesn't really shock me after the Bunkhouse Stampede. It did. It made me think something else that we'll talk about later. So Rogers is tossed into the ropes where Cornette was holding a table up so that he hits his head. Lane with a leg drop, a jumping drop elbow, and a doggy style headbutt Woo. to the small of the. You can't headbutt somebody in the body. It looks dumb. So you didn't like this doggy style headbutt? No, because it was in his back. I'm not. Yeah, like that's probably the only thing I didn't like about this match. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. But slam and then comes off the top rope with an elbow on Rogers. Lane then with a gut wrench suplex and then. And at this point, I realized who the referee was. It's Randy Anderson. Who we'll see more of as we go on, but he, I, the only reason I remember because he has this classic moment during the NWO days when something happens and his reaction is just like, it's priceless. Is it like the finger poke? Uh, I th- actually, I think it was the, the turn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the Hulk turn? Yeah, the Hogan turn. Rogers then hits a sunset flip after an Irish whip by Lane, but the ref is messing with Fulton, who keeps walking away from his corner. And Eaton gets in to break it up, and then Lane hits a kick to the back of the head. It's almost like uh, what we see from Will Ospreay with the Fuji hook kick. Yeah. And then Rogers is tossed to the floor, and Eaton slams him, bulldogs him onto a table. We get a step-toe hold from Lane, and then a jumping elbow drop from Eaton, and Rogers fires up with some punches to both Expressmen, 
knocking Lane down, so the ref checks on him while Rogers jumps to tag Fulton in. But the ref doesn't see it, so Anderson isn't allowing it. Cornette's jumped into the ring and hits Rogers with a tennis racket, and Fulton tosses the ref over the top rope. Fulton then joins the fray when Eaton grabs him so Cornette can hit him, but Fulton moves and beautiful Bobby takes the shot. Fulton helps launch Rogers onto Eaton for a splash and a different ref, Tommy Young, is there to count the pin and the win. But no! Randy Anderson's back in the ring and saying, Fulton threw me over the ropes. They're disqualified. Uh... Stan Lane ends up dropkicking Rogers out of the ring and Anderson raises Eaton's arm. More po- more brawling ha- starts happening between the two teams. Both referees get whacked by Cornette. Midnight Express hit- ends up hitting Fulton with the double-team flapjack and begins whipping him with Cornette's belt. Rogers gets in the ring with the chair to finally clear the ring, and Cornette gives one more racket, racket shot to a ref as the Express leave ringside. This match was fire. It was it was, it was like, so good. It was like everything that you want out of a tag match. The only bad, the only bad part was the disqualification. Yeah, the DQ. It's like ah, because it went like I was so hot for this match, and when it ended with the DQ, it's like ah, ah. If I could just have like, if we could just have a pin, because like no, there's no like, this is like the greatest match of all time that ends in a DQ. It's and, probably one of the better matches that we've seen. Yeah, this is fantastic, and I highly suggest it's searching def- it out. This is episode 19. I would say this match is definitely in the top five. Yeah, easily. And it ends with a DQ, so. Yeah, which is super unfortunate. Like, if it didn't, if it ended with, like, a, a pin. A clean win. A clean win, uh, or a title change, like, then it would probably be, like, like in the in the twos or threes. Yeah. Ones, twos, and threes. Possibly. Yeah. So we're back, we're with Bob Cottle. And he mentions that they're setting up the barbed wire around the ropes for the next match, and then cuts to a video package meeting some of the celebrities at the show. Barbed wire on television. And when I say celebrities, I really just mean Ken Osmond, who plays Eddie Haskell on the new Leave it to Beaver show. He also played Eddie Haskell on the old Leave it to Beaver show. But he meets up with Jim Cornette in this video package, and they keep talking about Cornette's mom. Like, I'm sure it was some kind of Leave it to Beaver... Like, well, yeah, I mean, Cornet's the mama's boy. That's the thing. But I was just like, I no clue what we're talking about, and was just kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm good with. Uh, hot take here: everything in the ring is great. Everything outside of the ring, not so much <laughs> on this show. Because then we get Bob Cottle with Gary Hart and Al Perez, and they start talking about a baseball bat and Dusty Rhodes. So they're bringing up this Dusty Rhodes thing. Still, no one's telling us the whole story. Yeah. Hart says he invented the Dirty Deeds. And I was like, how does Dean Ambrose feel about that? <laughs> well, I mean, he probably stole it from him. He probably uh, really likes ACDC. He looks like an ACDC guy. He looks Bob... like a rocker. <laughs> Gary Hart totally looks like a rocker. Oh, yeah, he looks kind of like a, like, a, like a weird pentagram goth boy. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I was like, all right. Bob Cottle then promotes the Crockett Cup that will be happening soon, which we're not going to cover because it wasn't a pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. And then Francis Crockett tells us the top ten seeds in the tournament with absolutely no enthusiasm. Yeah, she, it's like, why didn't... You could have had anybody do this. Yeah, it, it would have been... We could have had a fan do it, and it would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> the Road Warriors. 
The Fantastics, The Midnight Express. That was just like, thanks, Francis. Yeah. Cool. Moving on to our third match, we got the Road Warriors of Animal and Hawk and Dusty Rhodes with Paul Ellering versus the Powers of Pain, who are Barbarian and Warlord, and Ivan Kuloff with Paul Jones in a Chicago Street Fight barbed wire match. So the story behind this match was that the Powers of Pain and Road Warriors were both powerful teams. So they had a bench press contest to prove who was stronger. Did they talk about this at all? Well, at the very beginning, the video where the narration and everything, you see them fighting around a... Oh, yeah. Around some workout equipment. But that's really but it. Like, literally, that's, that's it. it. Okay. That, no, wonder, no wonder this was news to me. Yeah. And so the two teams would start brawling, and Animal would have his head rammed into a stack of weights, suffering an eye injury. No good. You need... Well, you don't need two eyes to wrestle, but probably it's probably pretty helpful. So this is why Animal has a goalie mask on <laughs> when he comes out to protect his face. Also... Dusty actually had Road Warrior paint on his face as yeah, well. Yeah, that was pretty cute. And as soon as Powers of Pain and Koloff gets in the ring, it turns into a brawl. We see Hawk dropkick Warlord, Animal's raking Barbarian's head with the barbed wire. And actually when I saw this, I was like, Animal kind of has an advantage here because he has his mask on, so his face cannot be raked across his barbed wire. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's going to get their face raked across the barbed wire. I mean, that's technically what he was doing with Barbarian here. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do anything to his face, (laughs) but kayfabe, that's what he was doing. Animal then rolls out of the ring to go after Paul Jones, and Barbarian's rolled out of the ring to follow him, and Animal tosses him into the ring post. Tony says this match is to one fall, but there's not a ref in the ring at this point. Yeah. Hawk then press slams... Who needs a ref when you've got, like, six big guys? Just one more person to take up room. Hawk press slams Koloff and then a leg drop. And we see Dusty and Koloff are busted open. Which, both of them probably, you just look at them wrong and they bust open. Yeah. Rhodes with the the (laughs) Dusty roll and the double punch. And then a animal on Warlord. And then the Barbarian comes off the top rope with a headbutt to hit Animal. The Road Warrior moves and ends up hitting Warlord instead. Randy Anderson covers Warlord for the pin and, and the, the win. win. So post-match, and begin pounding on the eye. And Koloff is whipping Hawk with the chain. And up, who hits Koloff, and Hawk grabs the chain and helps clear the ring. We then go to Tony and JR. They're talking when some dudes are previewing the matches yet to come. And then we get Bob Cottle with Nikita's suit and tie. He looks good. I like it. But he's still growling, so it's oh, yeah. still kind of hard. I did pick up that it sounds like he's an anti-drug spokesman at this point. He sure is. <laughs> that, they, they, yeah, that's one of the many things they didn't leave uh, to your imagination. <laughs> is, that, is that his like him, him? Them trying to make him like their uh, their Hogan, Ichi Vitamins. I have no clue. I was just like, what? Like, I didn't know where his promo was going, and it just. And then they start talking about the Dusty thing. And a little bit more information, it sounds like Tully Blanchard maybe attacked Dusty Rhodes. I'm like, literally was like, still, not a clear picture of what they're talking about. But we're off to our fourth match. And we got Barry Windham and Lex Luger 
versus Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. With J.J. Dillon for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. And the story of this match was that Luger had been feuding with the Horsemen ever since he had left the group. And Lex befriended Wyndham, who had also been having issues with the Horsemen. So they teamed up to take them down. So why, uh, why did Lex leave the Horsemen? At the Starcade uh-huh. that we just watched in yeah. Starcade 87, J.J. Dillon threw the, the chair into the ring and it caused... Lex got DDT'd onto oh, the chair. Yeah. So there was that, yeah. and then at the Bunkhouse Stampede, J.J., Lex, Arn, and Tully were in the ring at a qualifying match for the Bunkhouse Stampede, and J.J. was like, hey, you guys get out so I can win. Yeah. And Lex decided, nope, I'm good, destroyed J.J. Dillon, and won the match. Yeah. And basically started his turn against the horseman. So the champs are already in the ring. Bum, bum, bum. Foreshadowing. Match starts and Luger pushes Tully down and flexes, but Arn comes in and the Horseman double-team Lex. The Horseman Irish whip Luger into the corner, but Lex comes out with a double clothesline that Arn ducks. Arn turns and Lex is right there with another clothesline that finally puts him down. The crowd is hot Oh yeah, the crowd Luger. is. Like, the crowd is... This crowd des- deserves an A+. If there's anything above an A-plus, they deserve that Best performer of the night. The crowd, <laughs> honestly. Power slam on Tully and puts him up into the torture rack. But Dylan gets on the apron to distract the ref, and Arn comes in and kicks Luger in the back of the leg. The horsemen then begin to work on Luger's leg. And Arn goes to put the figure four on, but he kind of does the same thing that he did at where he kind of paused for a second. Yeah. And Lex kicks him off right into Tully, knocking Blanchard to the floor. It's not the smoothest. Uh, it's not the smoothest transition, no. Man. So Luger makes the hot, hot tag. Wyndham with a double noggin knocker, flying lariat. Flying lariat, uh, I, I popped for. It's like, yeah. A power slam and then slaps a sleeper on Tully. Tully makes it to the ropes and they fall out of the ring with Wyndham keeping the sleeper on. Blanchard's finally back up on the apron and guillotines Wyndham and heads to the top rope. Wyndham press slams Tully and knocks Arn off the apron, but Arn jumps back up and looks to tag in, but the ref says, no, you weren't holding the tag rope. God, I hate the tag rope. I've tag- probably said this a lot of times. Tag rope's great. Uh, it's so unnecessary. We then get an ab stretch by Wyndham when Dylan jumps on the apron again to distract the ref, and Arn comes in with a big left hand and a DDT for a two count. Spine buster! <laughs> Uh, Arn Anderson spinebusters. It's great. It's one of the best things. Wyndham then comes off with an Irish whip by Tully with a crossbody for a near fall. And another Irish whip, but Tully stumbles backwards and the two men hit heads for a double KO spot. And then we get a fun chain wrestling bit here where Tully snapmares into a headlock, but Wyndham reverses it into a head scissors. And then Tully flips over with a jackknife pin attempt that Wyndham bridges out of into a gut-wrench suplex. It's a thing of beauty. It was <laughs> awesome. I'm a huge fan of chain wrestling when done. As well as that? Really well. Yeah, it's it like, really that's the well that's the spots in, you know, in uh, a New Japan show where they have a big spot like that and then everybody just like, Everyone everybody, just everybody, stops just, everybody, just just, everybody like watches it and then stops, and then it's over, and then both men stand up, and everybody claps, and it's great. Yeah. Tully then hits a slingshot suplex for a two count, 
But Wyndham gives a desperation right hand and finally stumbles close enough to get another hot, hot tag. Luger in with shoulder blocks, clotheslines, and a double noggin knocker of his own. Lex goes to run the ropes, but Tully gets a knee up from the apron to slow Luger down. Lex then reverses an Irish whip, sending Arn into the corner. Anderson stumbles out into a power slam by Luger. Arn goes down below to slow Lex, while Tully and Wyndham run into Brawl. And when I say that, I mean that he punched him in the penis. <laughs> Jesus. The penis or the balls? No, yeah, whichever. Both. Is it a package deal? It's, a, it's the total package. <laughs> oh, God. It's Lex Luger. <laughs> I get it. You son of a bitch. I might make my own joke. Sorry, guys. It's alright. It's pretty good. We're told that JJ is up on the apron with a chair, and Arn goes to pick Lex up, but Luger tugs at the tights, sending Arn straight into the chair that Dylan is holding. Luger makes the cover for the pin and the win. And new! Greensboro is going crazy! <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a goddamn riot. Literally. Like, people are, like, jumping up and down. It's, like, it, it's it's a... Bigger, fe- like, the whole show's a fever pitch. Bigger pop. This win or Daniel Bryan win the championship? <laughs> this win. I feel like this one was... <laughs> with only... How often do people get so excited that they jump up and down? At a wrestling show? Not that often. Oh, no. Maybe uh, it was... Maybe people were uh, in better shape back Get Ariel more easily. <laughs> <laughs> Tony and JR then start talking. It's one fall with a 45 minute time limit, and there must be a winner. We do have judges that will determine the winner of the match. I we got, will. We got Gary Juster, Sandy Scott, who's a former NWA wrestler, Patty Mullen, Penthouse Pet of the Year. I know, that threw me off. I was like, okay. Well, that one's the one. Jason. Hervey, the older brother from Wonder Years. I mean, I feel like that, like, I mean, maybe Jason Hervey was hot shit back then, but he's, uh, he's like his hair is pretty fourth build person on Wonder Years, <laughs> behind Daniel Stern, who was only the narrator, <laughs> maybe show or something. I don't know. No, and then the aforementioned Ken Osmond, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Hear about the rumor that Ken Osmond was Alice Cooper? No. Like I guess I guess Ken Osmond because he kind of disappeared from the public eye after the original. I'm gonna look up what Ken Osmond looks like because Alice Cooper is a very specific looking guy. I can't imagine there's a lot of people. Where all of a sudden showed up and people. I guess there was just this rumor. I love I love like stupid fake rumors like that. Saw- of all time is the is the like middle school rumor that uh, Marilyn Manson got it, two of her was in it and I just every time that that like crosses my mind I get a. Or that he was the neighbor kid on Wonder Years? That was another one? Oh, uh, Paul. Man. Uh, so our fifth match and main event, or is it? Oh, uh, before I forget. Okay. Patty Mullen is in a movie called Frankenhooker that you should watch if you like dumb B-movies. But I guess she was also in a movie called Doom Asylum, which I haven't seen. But I guess she did two movies that were like... Both comedy horror movies? Yeah, both like comedy horror movies that are like low-budget, fun, like... Straight to VHS sounds shit. About, sounds about right for a penthouse pet of the year. <laughs> hey, don't throw shade. And we, we took the brunt of, yes, Patty Mullins was a very attractive woman. Yeah. Her pictures weren't bad. So the fifth match, we got Sting versus Ric Flair with J.J. Dillon for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And J.J. Dillon's going to be suspended in the cage 
high above the ring. Because it wouldn't be an NWA show if there wasn't a man in a cage, a bad man in a cage. I mean, let's put a shark in the cage. <laughs> or dip him into a, a, shark tank. a shark tank, yeah. That sounds more fun. Mm-hmm. So, we normally do not talk before these shows, before we talk on air about these shows. Yeah, we try not to. But literally, I sent Michael a text and was like, I want you, at this point, before you start the match, I want you to write oh, down... Oh, I did it at the beginning of the show, so, like, I think my... It would have changed, uh, but, like, as the show progressed, I think I would have had a different guess. So, I basically asked him, give me a prediction of what you think will happen in the Sting Flair match. Yeah, and I just said, I was like, I was like, why is he asking that? I was like, it's on TV, and the smart thing for them to do if they want people to watch this or to like start watching their new show that this is like setting up mm-hmm. uh then you put the belt on a white hot young handsome sting so i was like well maybe a sting win that would that would make sense to me but it's also you know it's nwa so like there's always a heel with that belt but that seems like the smart thing to do right seems like the smart thing so that was my guess but as the show went on i uh changed my prediction what did you change it to? Well, I don't know. Should I give it away? You should give me your prediction. My prediction? JR, not so subtly, uh, kept talking about how if they have extra time, they have some matches uh, in the chamber. Like, literally, as soon as, like, Tom Miller started giving the rules, I was just like, like uh, why? Like, we made a big deal about mentioning the time limit. Yes. And we made a big, big deal, deal about, about the judges. They didn't need to be telling us we have extra matches and stuff like that. And then it would have been a bigger surprise. And I was but, I mean, like, it, back then it was probably a surprise because but, cause we're watching this, you know, I decades mean, they're watching, later. They're watching it live, so they don't yeah. know. There's probably not a... There's not a TV guide telling you, oh, this show's going to go off at this time. Yeah, you know? but just like, you know, I mean, I'm sure if I was, you know, 30 years old and watching it in 88... My, Probably wouldn't. Probably would have been a bit more surprising, but yeah. just knowing what we know now, like you know, all the wrestling that's happened since then. So if you have, really... so if you haven't figured out, yeah, what's gonna happen? We're gonna go through it right now. All right. So the crowd yells the "woo" with flair, and then but then yells even mm. louder with the sting scream. After a test of strength that has Sting in control, flair with a chop that just fires Sting up to give an arm drag and a drop kick that makes Flair roll to the outside to regroup. Flair back inside the ring, running the ropes and Sting with a pair of leapfrogs and then a press slam. And then Sting jumps up and gets a head scissors takedown on Flair. And we have 40 minutes left. <laughs> also, uh, Herb is uh, and is barely barely watching the match and he's just, uh, him and Patty Moeners chatting it up this whole match. If you were on Jason Hervey and sitting next to a penthouse pet, wouldn't yeah. you be chatting her up too? Jason Hervey doesn't give a shit about Sting. We'll find out maybe <laughs> why here in a little bit. Sting puts a headlock on, and you can see a red spot on Sting's chest where Flair keeps hitting his chops. Yeah. Like, not quite busted open, but just like, like the knuckle prints and everything. It was kind of cool. Uh, more arm drags and a drop kick from Sting, and we get the Flair flop. Flair tosses Sting through the ropes, but as quick as he went out, he was back in. Sting got Flair in the corner and starts giving right hands and a snapmare into a headlock. And JR says a line here, I bet Patty Mullen is used to seeing such action, but this is real action. And I was like, this is two shows in a row, JR, (laughs) that you've made 
a very inappropriate sex joke, and I don't think you meant it as a sex joke. <laughs> yeah. Flair then keeps rolling Sting over from the headlock into a pin because he has a grip on the tights. Keeps getting like a one or two count, but finally the ref sees the grip on the tights and makes him break it. And we have 35 minutes left. Yeah, I mean, Sting Fl- looks like a goddamn god. This time, so like, awesome. Also, why would they put make? Why why did Sting wear makeup on his face if he was like that handsome? It's like this is this is silly. It's just a gimmick at the time. I know, but he's like, I cover that face. It's not like, yeah, he doesn't have like a Lex Luger face. <laughs> like Lex Luger's not particularly uh, handsome in my opinion, but Sting looks great. I don't think anybody was looking at Luger's uh, face. Face. Yeah, I don't think so either. They were looking at the total package. package. Yeah. Flair then hits a shot to the ribs to catch Sting off guard, and Sting with a trio of kicks, Irish whips Flair and into a gorilla press slam. We get another Irish whip, and Sting slaps on a bear hug. And I actually wrote first bear hug we've seen in a few weeks, but that's wrong. Yeah. Because we saw one last week at WrestleMania four during the demolition match. And we got 30 minutes left. Stinger goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Flair moves. Irish whips Flair into the corner and goes for another elbow, and Flair moves again. Sting going for the punches in the corner, but Flair counters with an inverted atomic drop. Which also, I don't know if you noticed, but in the NWA, it seems like they only go to a five count on the punches in the corner. While in WWF, they were going to ten. Really? Not eleven. Because Sting always quit at five. Really? I feel like that there was they do more than five. Or is it just like depending on the guy? <laughs> I literally thought I only saw. Five. I know Sting yeah. only went to five. Yeah, yeah, he never did the full ten. All definitely. Like I was, ex- like I was expecting. I mean, in to. earlier shows, like earlier NWA shows, I feel like sometimes they would just do like seven or eight. It's like there wasn't really any rhyme or reason until like the crowd started starts counting, and then yeah, they're like, then they're, "Okay, oh, we okay. should keep going." Yeah, it's like this gets a reaction. <laughs> Flair then drags Sting to the outside and whips him into the guardrails. And once they're back in the ring after some chops, Flair whips Sting first into the turnbuckles multiple times, back of Sting. We get multiple jumping knee drops and then rakes of the back. because it's Back scratcher? Yeah. And Flair is in complete control. And we have 25 minutes left. Grabs the chair away. Flair with some chops, but Sting starts screaming and no-selling. Sting with a big right hand to send Flair over the top rope. And it was momentum that carried Flair over, so it's not a disqualification. I know you'd like that one. <laughs> Sting goes for the clothesline, but Flair moves, and Sting hits the ring post. He's firing up to punch. Sting's got that fighting spirit. He's like, grrr, with that fist, right closed fist, which allows Flair to pull Sting down by his rat tail. Sting hops right, punching away. And we get an arm drag and a clothesline. Two count. Flair and Deathlock, but they're too close to the ropes. 20 minutes left. Flair fought, and Sting covers, but Rick gets his foot on the rope. An arm dragging over the top rope to the floor. Flair guillotines Sting, but Sting no-sells crossbody. Sting no-sells a lot. <laughs> he, he does, indeed. Shin breakers, and Rick starts working on Sting's legs. We also get a back suplex. Flair gives another, woo, and locks on the figure four. Pretty awesome. Screams at him and then rolls it over because we know that is gold. Flair, once they get back up from the, the figure, why did they break the Yeah, because like Sting flipped it back over and I feel like that it just kind of... Well, because Flair's going to release the hold because all the pressure's on oh, his legs. Yeah. 
flares on the apron and goes to attempt a suplex over the top rope, but Sting reverses it into the ring. Sting attempts a splash, but Flair gets his knees up, and then Sting puts Flair in an abdominal stretch, and we have ten minutes left. I love it when somebody like comes off the rope right into an ab stretch. Just everything, you know, all the momentum just like stops, and it makes it look, uh, look makes it look like it hurt. hurts. Flair escapes out of the ab stretch with the hips, and then Flair goes to the top rope, but Sting press slams him for a two count. Yes, yeah, he's like Sting's fed up. He's like, why won't this guy go down? So he, so he starts doing some heel shit. Sting lets it go for some reason and begins yelling at J.J. Dillon high above the ring. Yeah, I know Sting at some point yells anything. like, do you, know, do you know how to party or what? Like, so was he talking to the, just the crowd? Like, be like, yo, you guys are lit? <laughs> I have no... Sting then starts yelling. working on Flair's leg and then tosses Flair to the turnbuckle and we get the Flair to the floor. And Jr. says... He's never seen anything like like except for every, every match single, that every, Flair does. Every Ric Flair match. Working in JR. <laughs> Sting then slams uh, Flair's head on the judges' table and then on the ring post and then falls over the guardrail. Bum, bum, bum. Flair climbs up the apron and gives a shoulder block to the gut of Sting and then attempts to set flip. But Sting stays up and punches down. Yeah, Sting's just like, nah. Sting again with the punches in the corner, and Flair comes out with an inverted atomic drop, but Sting no-sells the pin, but Flair gets his foot on the ropes again. An Irish whip to send Flair to the turnbuckle, and Sting goes for a stinger splash. But Flair moves, and Sting goes sailing over the ropes. Sure. Once back in the ring, Flair locks a sleeper onto Sting, but he escapes immediately by fleeing Rick off his back into the turnbuckle, which gets us another Flair flop. And Flair's busted open. I'm not sure exactly when. Yeah, I was trying to figure out when it happened to him. But this is the first time I think I've noticed that he that he had a little bit of blood in his hair. Yeah. Flair then tosses Sting. Do you think it was hard way, or do you think that they bladed on oh, television? I'm sure he bladed. I know. I mean, but it, Flair's the same way as Dusty and Koloff. Like, literally, you look at him wrong, and yeah. right bust open. But I just I wasn't sure, because I was like, it's on TV, so I didn't feel But they also had barbed wire. But I was like, they probably aren't going to blade on c- cable. I, I don't know. Don't know. Flair then tosses Sting to the floor, but he's right back up to the apron where Sting gives a shoulder block and goes for a sunset flip. We have two minutes left. Flair catches himself on the sunset flip attempt and goes down with his knees on the shoulders of Sting, grabbing the ropes for leverage, but the ref sees it and knocks his hands off the ropes, which the momentum is so great that Sting is able to flip Flair over for the pin to count. Flair is then tossed into the corner, which he flips over, does this over-the-top rope flip spot again, but lands on the apron this time, runs to the next turnbuckle, goes off the top rope for what was probably supposed to be a crossbody. <laughs> yeah. But it came out more like a double axe handle. Flair's not but, the best at jumping off of things. But they somehow make it work. Yeah. Because they they hit, like he lands like mm-hmm. almost like a double knee to the chest kind of move. Yeah. But... They make it work somehow, and Sting uses the momentum to roll over on top. One, two, Flair gets his shoulder up. We get some chops and kicks by Flair. Sting's completely no-selling at all. One minute left. Sting gives Flair punches in the corner. 45 seconds. Stinger splash, and then rolls Flair over into the Scorpion Deathlock. All he's got to do is make Flair tap. 
30 seconds. 15 seconds. Players just screaming. Screaming. <laughs> 10 seconds. 5, 4, 3, three 2, two one. 1. I don't have a bell. Ding, 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 ding. So we get the time limit draw yeah. as Flair doesn't submit, and it's now up to the judges. So Damn JJ's being judges. lowered from the cage while the ref's rounding up the judges' scorecards. And the ring announcer has the scorecards, and he starts announcing them. Says Patty Mullins, our penthouse pet of the year, goes for Flair. I bet she's rode Space Mountain a time or two. Gary Jester, our NWA board of director, scores it for Sting. Sandy Scott, another NWA for, former NWA wrestler, judges it as a draw. <sighs> so then the announcer says that the decision is a draw, so Flair keeps his title. Hey, Michael Temple, weren't there two other judges? There was. Also, why judges? Why can't it just be, a, you know, time limits up so it's a draw? Why does there have to be judges? Exactly. Like, so if, like, if, it you're, just, if you're going to do, if the match has to have a winner, yeah, and you're going to do this judges thing, and then, then it's a draw. it needs it's like, to be, Flair needs to win the scorecards to keep the belt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can't be like, nope, it's a draw. Also, if you do that, scorecard. then everyone can do the thing where it's like, ah, oh, Sting was robbed, blah, blah, blah. Because, like, Sting is obviously the... This is a star-making turn for Yeah, it's a, it's Sting. like, Sting looks... They they make him look amazing. Like, he no-sells, like... Rick really does a great job of, like, letting Sting be the the man. This match was fucking fantastic. I mean, it's if just you think like the, the, the end is... I literally just thought of this, but the parallels between this and WrestleMania 4, even though they're on the same night, mm-hmm. and you kind of have the biggest star in the company yeah. helping put over the new, new young guy. Yeah. In this show, though, the top guy keeps the belt... And the other show, but he, but he still nobody, put, but he still puts yeah. over. Well, the belt was vacated in the other show, but that's just because. But Hogan, Hogan wasn't still, gonna, but Hogan know, still, yeah. was he was being like cheer for Macho. He was, yeah. he was helping pump the new top guy up. Basically, that's that's kind of where I'm at. In the yeah, yeah, totally. So we go to Tony Jr. and Bob. They recap the evening and say their goodbyes, and they also talk about the Dusty thing again, but they still don't tell us what they're talking about. But do you know what they're talking about? I do. Can you tell? I, 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 <laughs> Let us know, man. Like I said, like I say all the time, I write my notes as I'm going, and I was like, I'm going to let, I'm hoping this show tells us what, what? the heck they're You're, talking Yeah, giving about. the show the benefit of the doubt before you, like, before, before you I look, go into before look it up, yeah. So, so, the story behind this dusty Magnum TA thing, it's actually kind of interesting, and if you... You can go out there and find the video, probably on YouTube, of of, of this of, the, of what this is. It's okay. not a match. Okay. So Magnum TA is being interviewed by David Crockett the day before Clash of the Champions, and Magnum, if you remember, had been in a car accident a couple years earlier, ending his career. So, you know, he's not not in great shape. But when he does come to the ring to second someone, such as Dusty or you know whoever. He would regularly bring a baseball bat with him, basically as that's the only way he's going to be able to help anybody. Yeah, it's yeah. not like he can do any wrestling moves at this point because he's so badly hurt. And during this interview, he would bring up his greatest victory, the I Quit 
cage match at Starcade '85. Oh, the bloodbath. The bloodbath. Oh man. And this would bring Tully Blanchard out along with J.J. Dillon to the to interrupt the interview. Tully, being the amazing heel that he was, would talk up the injury, and then Barry Windham would make his way out. And this is kind of it, like literally, it could have told some of the story in the Tully in the tag match. Mm-hmm. They didn't like Barry Windham comes out and su- is sucker punched by Tully for trying to calm the situation. Tully would then swat Magnum alongside the head before turning his attention back to Wyndham. Then all of a sudden, in a blur of rage, (laughs) Dusty Rhodes comes flying onto screen swinging a bat at Tully. I need to see see, uh, Dusty in a fit of rage with a baseball bat because that sounds pretty scary. Many backstage officials come out to break up the fight, including Jim Crockett, (laughs) who jumps on Dusty's back to slow him, and Dusty would accidentally hit Crockett with the handle of the oh, bat man. as he reared back to hit Tully. I'm literally like, this sounds awesome. Yeah. And I've watched the I've watched the video of it. And is it awesome? And it is awesome. <laughs> and I'm just like, why wouldn't you just show this footage instead like long, of talking how, about it vaguely? How long is this? Like, clip? it's like three and a half minutes. Yeah. You could probably I mean, cut at least the, the video that I saw was yeah. like three, and it's probably cut down a little bit, but because it probably didn't, because they, pro- I don't think they show as much of the, because like Tully and Dusty like keep brawling, yeah, for a little bit like after the whole Jim Crockett thing, but I'm just like the the storyline that this sets up and it was created out of this doesn't really play out on this show, yeah, so it's like what I understand. If they're not going to play it, it's not going like, to play it. It doesn't really affect this show, the Clash of the Champions show. Yeah. But if that's the case, don't bring it up at the Clash of the Champions show. Yeah, wait till wait till you, you are using that and then use it. Exactly. In, yeah, and then use the clip. So I was just like, yeah, does, there's a storyline that comes out of it. Yeah. I don't know. Don't we know. Don't, I guess. will be brought up at that point. I'm not real sure exactly. I mean, yeah, it's hope, hopefully. Hopefully. It's hard to hope as far as storytelling goes uh, on an NWA show. Sometimes, yeah. So, that's the show. What were your overall thoughts of Clash of the Champions? Everybody should watch it twice. show is (laughs) so good. It's so good. It's like that tag, like I said, that tag match is great. And the the only thing that, like, takes it away from being, like, maybe, like, I don't even know. Like, it's, like, an A show instead of an A-plus show is, like, the... The the barbed Well, no, just the DQs. Like the barbed wire match was fine. It was kind of like a cool off, honestly. I mean, it literally that barbed wire match was three and a half minutes. Yeah, so it's it like did, it, didn't, didn't, it didn't. It didn't take away from didn't the show the or whatever. It was fine. It was like yeah, yeah. But the the DQ finish in the first tag team match was such a bummer. And then like the Sting thing, I kind of get, but like, why would you not just put him over on TV so then you have then you can maybe you know like they got a really good rating. Maybe that rating uh, would continue because. We got this new champion uh, who looks like a fucking Greek god. And the crossbody that Flair does kind of was like, that was a... Mi- <laughs> Flair shouldn't be doing crossbodies. He's done crossbodies forever. I know, but a lot of like, times... How are you most messing of, that up? Most of the time they look like shit. I mean, maybe not maybe not all of the time, but it seems like in all of the big all of the big shows, his crossbodies end up looking pretty bad. I mean, I literally wrote the opening narration opening oh, scene yeah. thing had me pumped and then the two mac two tag matches were completely awesome mm-hmm. the other two matches 
were they were good. Yeah, they're, they're totally. But, I mean, I don't know if they were great, but they were good. There's were, nothing bad on this show except for like I said, the finishes kind of kind of just like, but it, they don't. And I actually wrote down what I what I sent you. I was like, the main event is a master's class. Oh yeah. Like that's a that was a, a beautiful forty five minutes that did not feel like forty five minutes. I mean, do you feel like it deserves the five star rating that it got from Dave Meltzer? Of course. Yeah, I do too. It was great. Yeah, like and I, that's literally a lot of the reason yeah. why this Clash of the Champions we covered this because I was just like, this match got a five star rating. I'm like, I need to watch this. Show. I would I like I would highly suggest watching that tag match at the very least watching the tag match I, and this match and then watching the tag match again. This show was. Two hours long, yeah, Didn't and it, feel it it flew by for me. Even oh, yeah. with the forty-five minute time limit draw, flew by for me, and I absolutely love this show. Yeah, it was great. It was one of the best. I'm shows even going watched. as far as saying it is now my favorite show we have watched. All right, I don't know, if, like I mean, wrestling classic was our number one until the, yeah. At least it was my number one until this show. Yeah, and like WrestleMania three is really fun, but it's got a lot of it's got some definite low points where it's. You know, but this is like pretty. Uh, this is like fever pitch the whole time, and the crowd has a lot to do with it. But the uh, the in ring work is like so strong for the majority of the show that the crowd isn't like it's not like they're cheering bad bad matches. No. <laughs> they're, they're they're popping for shit that's totally worth like popping for. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Best moments of the show every single minute. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, like like I said, the there's really, there's nothing, I don't have I anything mean, bad to say outside of, like, the DQ stuff, but, which I get, but I don't get, but, yeah, you know, I mean, hindsight, so. Most disappointing is definitely that the DQ finish in the, in the Express Fantastics match. Yeah. Best moment. The judge thing was dumb, but, the like, judge I'm, thing was very I'm so, dumb. U- I'm so used to dumb shit in 80s wrestling that it's fine. The purpose of the match and was. And it's wrestling. There's the purpose dumb of the match was all the time. to there's make Sting Even dumber shit today. Yeah. Oh, there is. And it, it accomplished what it was going for, and it made Sting into a huge star. And I'm yeah, it was. I'm good with it. Yeah. Like literally, if this match doesn't happen, are we sitting here today in 2019 going, Sting is one of the best wrestlers that we've ever watched? After this, I'm gonna get like Sting face paint tattooed on my face. <laughs> anything else? Anything else disappointing on this show? Oh, that's, no. No, just watch it. Watch it. Like I said, yeah, watch we'll, it. Watch the show. Watch the whole show, yeah. and then watch those two matches a few days later. Best Dude. performer of the night is it Sting? It's it's Sting, and then like I would say, but it's definitely. I mean, for Sting went Sting and Ric Flair went forty five minutes. So like, yeah. and Sting really made himself like invincible in not an annoying way. Is the most surprising thing about this show? Bua put on this good of a show. I mean, I don't know. That's the crowd. As soon as I started this show, I was like, just like taken aback. I was like, holy crap, they are on fire. I was like, did they get paid to to, to freak out like this? <laughs> like, because there's like going nuts, giving a small child like a bunch of sugar. They were just like bouncing off the walls. Just so good. This yeah. Show. Like, I don't, I don't think we can express how much we like this show. How fantastic it was. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. To make it to the top of the Gold Dust Trio's promotion, you had to be a legit grappler, as they needed to be able to trust them that they could take care of themselves if someone 
went into business for themselves. But occasionally they would take on less talented grapplers if they were charismatic and of a marketable ethic background. Was the Gold Dust Trio on the front line of diversification in wrestling? Probably not. But having grapplers from European ethnicities would bring in the immigrant communities to buy tickets, which in turn brought in the money. Next week, Great American Bash 1988. It's our first pay-per-view quality Great American Bash. It's no longer a tour. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a series of videos ripped from a VHS tape? Nope, it's one show. Oh, cool. Like two and a half hours long. We'll fly through it, I'm sure. I don't know what happens on it. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't either. I guess we'll that's find, the fun. Maybe, the fun maybe, maybe this Dusty Tully storyline will be continued and we can talk yeah, about it. Maybe somewhere. we'll get uh, some, like, if we get a, another Sting performance that's like half as good as this one, I'm excited. Or they may put him in a dark match because for some reason they did that at some like really yeah like Sting doesn't really do anything after this like, don't tell me that for like three don't, more years don't, don't, like that. that's just that's silly I know it is silly after that performance I'm like why is he because whenever I think of like Sting I think like early 90s and this is still a couple years away from the early 90s well shit I don't know I know when I got really into wrestling Sting was transitioning from the stinger the stinger to the crow sting yeah and so I didn't get to see a whole lot of this sting well and you didn't see a whole lot of crow sting either because he just disappeared for he a just long tied time up come in back. The yeah rooftops and the music from this week's show we got the theme song from the clash of the champions and then Ric Flair still Spats. a champion Spatch Spatch Zarathustra by Strauss and if you like the show or if you don't I mean you can not like us but Still, go and give us those five stars because that's so more people can find us and hopefully they'll like us, even if you don't. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcorn, or wherever you find your podcast app. You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.